Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. <clears throat> we have such an amazing guest today. I'm so excited. I've been excited for days because we spoke to this person earlier um, and had a little pre-interview. And ever since, I've just been dying to record this episode, Brian. <laughs> been dying. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but listeners, uh, you know, we're, we're always excited for our guests, but you're, you're in for a, you're in for a treat this week. And, uh, you know, just a reminder, um, we've changed up our Patreon structure and our shout outs will now be at the end of the episode and we've shaken things up in our Patreon episode. So if you want to see what we've changed or if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And I think we should just jump right into it. Young me. I don't, you know, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss of how to introduce our guest. I, I just want to say like legend, the, the, the most Asian, important Asian American. No offense to other Asian Americans, but I feel like <laughs> legend, right? Legend. What, what did you write down, Brian? I feel like yours will sound more professional. I'm just like standing. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Young Me said legend. Uh, I have written down here. <laughs> Listeners, your guest this week is an Emmy Award and Golden Globe winning Hollywood producer who has been named one of the 50 most powerful women in Hollywood by The Hollywood Reporter. A true Hollywood legend. That's a soundbite from Young Me. And her career spans decades where she served as an executive producer of the iconic The Joy Luck Club and most recently as executive producer of the Oscar-nominated animated feature Over the Moon. Listeners, please give your ears to Janet Yang. Am I supposed to say hi now? Hi! Yay! <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm red from your introduction, but you can't see it anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to have this kind of really loose conversation. So few are. <laughs> wow. Thank I you. feel like I wow. overdid it on the introduction, young me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of, everything you said was true. Everything I said was true, I feel like. So <laughs> it's, it's saying something when just like somebody just listing what you've done, you know, is like just so like mind blowing. I feel like it says a lot about Janet. And I'm so excited that you joined us today. Thank you. Great to be here. I, I want to see more Ooh. of your cat. I just want to warn you, my cat may also walk across and our cats may end up bonding together on the screen. Oh, I don't know. We love cat cameos. Okay. That's like the, I feel like that's the one plus of the um, pandemic and the Zoom meetings. Like I get to see like people's cats and dogs all the time. And, and like by the so way, awesome. you, had, you said you had one question that was behind, behind the paywall. And uh -huh. my answer has something to do with my cat, I think. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, okay. Ooh. Well, okay. that's jumping wow. right to the Thanks, end. So Janet. we should, we should, you know, I was just teasing the audience a little bit. No, we need wow, that. We need more Patreon Hollywood subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Luring a them in. A little, a little teaser. <laughs> anyway, I'm here to answer um, any of your questions. Just fire away. I have no secrets. <laughs> First and foremost, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And before we ask you how you're feeling, Young me, how are you feeling? Oh, okay. So I am going to say I just had something. I, I like had a little um, phone convo thing with my friend right before the podcast. And I, it just like reminded me. And I, I was thinking a lot about, like I said, Janet being on the podcast today. Um, and just, you know, like just things that I find 
probably are similar. I'm just assuming that we have some similar experiences just being, you know, women and stuff like that. And I was just thinking about all those things. And my friend, I'm just going to try to keep it as vague as possible because my friend is very private. But there was like kind of a sad, um, she found out something sad about her very small child um, during a doctor's visit. And they had to do Mm. like uh, some sort of procedure to check and make sure that whatever was going on wasn't either, you know, very serious or fine. And so she had to take him to this procedure today, which is obviously like one of the saddest experiences of in you know for humans period um but she was telling me the story that she just started a new job and there's her co-worker is like like hits on her all the time has a crush on her and so on friday and so she had to do this procedure thing today and Mm -hmm. yesterday she was like she got the day off obviously and so yesterday, the guy that has a crush on her was like hitting on her and was just like, hey, what are you up to? Like, I saw, I saw you have like an extra day off. What are you going to uh, get? And then so she was just like, I'm going to take my child in to get this procedure and they're going to see if this is like a devastating thing or not. And she said like the look on his face. But I, I just when she told me that story, I was just like, that is obviously sad, but like just so funny. Like it just makes me like... <laughs> Just, you know, like this well, like doofusy guy that's like out of touch with stuff. And just like, I just was thinking sort of like, you know, the lives of women, it's it's just, that's just like, you never really hear stories like that, you know? But and like, motherhood, motherhood is like a huge thing, parenthood in general, but mothers yeah. in general, like we're so yeah. incredibly tied to our kids. It's like insane. It's a visceral. It's like the umbilical cord never gets cut fully. It's hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's a but, whole and, other conversation. You should do a whole, a whole podcast about parenting and mothers. <laughs> there was a, a study that came out recently that children actually decrease your level of happiness. I mean, it was pretty <laughs> bold statement. I saw that, but they're like, I was wow. like, what? What are they saying? I mean, Janet, I saw that. Love. It was. A, it's. I'm like, wow. But it, what they're saying is like on a day to day basis is true. It adds a lot of stress to your life. Anyway, oh wow! <laughs> I definitely saw that study, yeah. Janet, and I, yeah. I'm, no comment, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, I, I was just thinking, yeah, nobody I know would give that experience up. Like once you've had it, you know, yeah, like no, no one I know would say, oh, I wish I didn't have kids, you know, right? But mm. there are days, you know. Anyway. Yeah, it's like that getting hit by the truck analogy, which is my favorite analogy for parenthood. It's like you know, if life, if life was a truck would you rather get hit by it or watch it pass you by it's like Mm. that's having a kid you know it's like do you want to you want this thing that's going to destroy you or you just don't you just want like nothing to do with it (laughs) and not know what it's going to feel like yeah anyway that builds character it builds character that is nice to and then you don't make yourself the center of the universe i think basically you're a child until you become a parent because why wouldn't you just live for yourself until you become yes. parents, then you live. Then you then somebody else's life is more important than yours, and you just get to be very happy. <laughs> um, anyway, that was just something I was thinking about. Just how fun, how like it just seems that whenever something really tragic happens, there there are like just such ridiculous like funny moments that always happen, and you're just like sad, but then you're like. This is actually kind of funny and stupid and weird too at the same time. Just well, it was just, it's, yeah. if it were seen in a movie, 
we would yeah. like zoom in on the guy's face. Like, <laughs> uh, like, oh, oh, like, and there could be so many different reactions. Like if I were auditioning that scene, there are many, many, many different versions of what he would do. Right. <laughs> I really wish I could have seen his face though, in real life. Yeah. Awkward. Anyway, that's, that's how I'm just feeling. Just like, just sort of like blown away by how ridiculous everything is. How about you, Brian? How are you feeling? So, You've actually expressed this feeling before on our podcast, Hungley, and uh, I'm kind of going through it right now. Where so this past week has been um, really exciting in terms of like getting opportunities and doing work that genuinely excites me, whether it's in the way of an audition or shooting something. And uh, you know, you mentioned before that when when a lot of things like this are happening, you feel like the well is going to dry up around mm. the corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'm experiencing a lot of uh, hope and optimism in this current moment, I'm kind of trying to curb my expectations a little bit because I'm like, all right, something something bad is going to happen around the corner. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, bad but, things um, are happening. It's like the best of times, worst of times. Every day there's ecstasy and agony <laughs> all rolled right. up into one, in my, in my opinion. There, right. there is a lot of bad stuff happening, you know. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but then you know, there's a lot the, of good stuff too. Right. Yeah. So in this current moment, I'm kind of relishing the good stuff because uh, you know I've, I've, I'm really um, excited about what's to come ahead, and uh, I'm also feeling yeah. like a child because I don't have a child, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> based, should... based on what you said, Janet. <laughs> You should have just been like, I feel happy because I, I don't have a child. <laughs> it's, well, it's exact energy always... I need to pull off that scene yeah. where I'm I'm hitting on my coworker and just oblivious. Oh yeah, to. you'll play. Oh yeah, we should audition you for that scene. <laughs> Brian would oh, be no. perfect for that. Brian just like the clueless like himbo, like cool. <laughs> but enough about us, Janet. How are you feeling? Oh, you know, there's a lot going on and I, I, I was just hinting at it. Like, it's like, it's the best of times, worst of times. There's so many things every day that I'm so grateful for and amazed by. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with our community and what's happening. And, and then there's just a lot of stuff to think about, you know, that I can't help. I'm normally like incredibly optimistic, but I feel not so much these days about our country, about the state of the planet, about mm. politics, about, mm. you know, about I'm scared of the the algorithmic driven uh, world that we're entering in mm. some ways. So and my mother is very old and she's on her last legs. It's just a lot of stuff. So on an, on the external and internal, it's a lot to process. Like I'm really just going through life slowly and really trying to absorb everything you know there appears i think the pandemic has definitely made us all more reflective but mm-hmm. i mm. i i i think it's a good thing that we're really becoming much more deliberate in everything we're doing and thinking that's how i feel anyway and and that's that's a good thing i think that's a good thing like i you know there was a time where I felt like we were all driven by external forces and running mm. around and whatever. And now, like, we're making choices, I think, much more much more carefully 
who we want to spend time with, what are we doing, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it's been like for me anyway. I can't speak for other people. But it's but I generally think it's a very positive thing. I think so. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with the sentiment. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the news cycle, I perhaps this is a bit spoiled of me, but I do have to take breaks from it and just mm. like... Oh yeah, no, that's like survival. That's not you're not spoiling yourself, you're surviving. How much can we take? You can mm, only take right. so much. With all the current news and like the state of the world, I feel I sort of I relate to you, Janet, in the way that um I'll have moments where I'm just like, Oh, I've you know, this has changed me in this way where I am very like way more thoughtful in specific ways. And I'm like, oh, this is like really great because I don't think this would have happened without all this happening. But then other moments I'm like, we're all going to die. <laughs> it's 80 degrees well, we in this that. January. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We always we always knew we were going to die sooner or later. But it's like, how are we going to die? <laughs> we did know. We did know. You are right. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's like. I feel like I just swing back and forth pretty violently. But overall, I do agree with you. I think it is a positive. Weirdly, right? Weirdly. Well, I think in our own little worlds, this is how I feel like in our own pods, in our communities, in mm -hmm. whatever we're doing, there's this feeling of really positive change. Mm. And then, you know, but surrounded by the stratosphere of a lot of things that maybe are a little out of con our control. <laughs> you know, like... I don't think the three of us on this call can solve climate change right now. Um, yeah, but, you know, and yes, it's just this kind of impending thing, you know. It's almost like feels cliche to talk about it. Yeah. Or just, yeah. So it's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But and in, uh, in the meantime, we're all going to enjoy each other's company on a podcast. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> Let's. It's the closest Let's. thing we can do to solving the impending climate crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad you're doing this. You know, it's been, I, I, as I mentioned, I have listened and watched many of your episodes. It's been really fun. So I'm so glad wow. you're doing it because it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like you're doing something, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think the, the only cure for, for despair is to actually do something positive and that you enjoy and uh, so I'm so glad you are. I told you my, my, my hop and niece uh, recently, because we were just talking about what are you watching, what are you listening to, what are you doing? And she, she said, oh, I love this podcast, Feeling Asian. I'm like, I know that. You know? Wow. It, it's like <laughs> it's somebody my mind. generation. <laughs> no, it's so cool. When often if I'm talking with people of that age, <laughs> I don't know how many generations we're on, but they're like, oh, have you heard this song by... Mm -mm, it's possible, like it's more than possible. I will never have heard of that group. So Same. yeah, wherever you can find that connection, it's good. I'm like so blown away by like just just that you've heard of us. That's just like blowing my mind right now. And it's it's making me feel really self-conscious. Now I'm like, what did I, I do? Don't feel self-conscious. <laughs> I'm feeling right? kind this of embarrassed. Like, on the pod. I was like, I've I said Janet too much. <laughs> no, I, I mean, what did young, Janet you, did, you do... When you also when you're playing more than one person and you're talking yeah. back and forth, it's really funny. Oh, thank you. It's like thank you. It's like you're, yeah, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of thing. They all live in my head, Janet. <laughs> They're all oh, God. Oh, what a what a lot of room um, in your head you make for them. Um, 
Well, that's like really great. We love hearing, you know, we just love hearing from all our guests about how they feel. I think that it's like such a great way to open up the podcast. And I, I feel like it's such a great way to validate our feelings about everything. Um, we did change to this like brand new format. But before we start with the questions about your emotions, we had a few questions Um I actually yeah. had uh, a question about your career, which I found really, really fascinating because I was reading about you and it, and um, I came across this, just this tidbit that you were the, you were like integral in the introduction of Western, like, I guess, American films into China. And I, I like, I'm not, I just don't understand how that happened because, you know, my understanding of your career is that you are a business person and you work in Hollywood and that seems kind of like political to me. Is that, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? I can, I can. You have, you have a couple of days now. I'm joking. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we do. I'll tell you briefly. (laughs) Um, So my life was changed drastically in 1972 before well before you were born because that's when China which had been completely closed off to Mm -hmm. the rest of the world and from where my parents came um, they came over in the late 40s as graduate students and then the new regime the communist regime took over and they suddenly got cut off from all their relatives and so I kind of grew up really knowing very little about their background. We had no relatives to speak of. I'd never met any of my grandparents, aunts, uncles. And in Mm. 1972, then President Nixon went to China with Henry Kissinger. And it was really a big deal because China seemed so remote and so frightening to most people at the time. Mm. But they came back and they encouraged Chinese Americans to visit their relatives. Mm. And that was like a really big uh, move on the part of then Chairman Mao Zedong and uh, Zhou Enlai, the premier, and, you know, our American leaders. And and, uh, my mother, by the way, worked at the United Nations for many years. So Mm. she Mm. actually was a Chinese citizen, but China was not recognized as China. Taiwan was Mm. recognized as China by the UN and by the US. Anyway, so suddenly in 1972, I was, I just started high school. Um, everybody can look up my age. Um, and I was grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in, on Long Island. There were no other Asians in the neighborhood. I was the only Asian in my school. And, you know, it was one of those classic stories, just kind of fish out of water and right. feeling like I didn't belong. And I suddenly found myself in China. I didn't speak Chinese at the time. But I met all my, I had like tons of relatives, like so many relatives. And they met us. We, we traveled together around China for three weeks, going from city to city to city. And the only way to get into China at the time is that you had to fly to Hong Kong. Then you literally took a train to the border. And mm. then you walked across this rickety bridge. And then suddenly you were on oh, the Chinese wow. side. And you arrived there. And then you saw this long lines of military people, mm-hmm. you know, in uniform with with uh-huh. I mean, with with uh, arms. <laughs> There's a lot. Not oh. the most inviting uh, roll out, roll out the red carpet. But you right. know, once we entered there, then we we got to the main city, Canton, and where uh, like probably three dozen relatives had met us, and they proceeded to follow us from city to city as we traveled along and uh, around and met with other relatives and sat mm-hmm. in hotel rooms. And I, it was, the place was on the one hand, extremely unfamiliar. Like it was mm. obviously a much older country, a much poorer country. 
and mm. a very, very, you know, there was like military music blaring all the time. It was the middle of the Cultural Revolution, if that means anything. Mm. And mm. so it was, ex- it was like so different from anything that I ever, ever imagined. And right. I remember um, my cousin was taking English lessons at the time. He's like, oh, will you help me with my English? And so I opened up the book and the first chapter said, down with American imperialist tigers or paper mm. tigers, you know, down with it. It was like, so things were very, mm-hmm. very hostile uh, politically and they were right. just starting to thaw. Anyway, but what was weird is that I came away with a feeling of connection to my relatives. They mm. were, were people that kind of looked like us and and I just started hearing stories that I never heard about mm-hmm. what happened to my grandparents and this and that. And it just intrigued me so much and I just, I, I became really fascinated by my parents' lives, like mm. how they lived before they were, because up until then I thought they were just suburb, you know, boring suburban parents. Mm-hmm. Right. We took the train mm-hmm. to work. We lived in the suburbs. They worked in the city. They came back. We had dinner every night. We had yeah. you know Chinese food. But they had such a regular life. Because back to parent and child, like when you're a parent, you want to have a stable life for your children. Right. They usually don't get to see your wilder sides. Yeah, <laughs> I love right. the immigrant right. like. Um, the immigrant experience of like discovering that your mom was just like completely different life, like before she had oh, you. Oh yeah, she was like, she was like, yeah, completely <laughs> different. Like I thought, my what? father was so apolitical. <laughs> I found out my father was like riding a bicycle across the country with his sister in the back to fight the Japanese who were invading wow. China. I mean, like wow. I got a wholly different portrait. So anyway, the the make a wow. long story short, I just became fascinated by it, and I really wanted to learn Chinese. I was like, damn, I can't even. I can barely talk to them. I mean, I understood a little bit. So mm. later I went to college and I did Chinese studies and I took a lot of classes in Chinese studies and I, I just got so deep into it. I had a, no clue where it was going to lead. Even my parents who wanted me to be Chinese when I was growing up suddenly <laughs> got worried because I was like, like so into no, not, China. They're like, not like that. Not, not that way. Not that way. No, you're supposed to just <laughs> marry much. Chinese That's and eat much. Chinese. Use chopsticks, you know, yeah. use chopsticks and learn how to gel uh, IE and right. whatever. You know, I'm like... I, so but funny. then I was like getting <laughs> deep and my father even wrote me this long letter like, why are you majoring in Chinese studies? Where is that going to leave you? I was like, oh, this <laughs> right. is so ironic. That's anyway, funny. I did, um, I, I went to Brown, but I also studied two years at Harvard because they had many more classes. And so mm. I had a teacher at Harvard, a language teacher who was actually from China and she was from Beijing. And I said, I want to go live in Beijing. Get me mm-hmm. a job there. So she did. And, um, and it's uh, shortly, I, I had worked in publishing briefly after college, and she said, okay, I found you a, a great opportunity. You're going to work at the place called the Foreign Languages Press, which is the official publishing arm of the government. Wow. You're going to be an editor and translator. So off I went in 1980 to do that, and I spent about a year and a half there. And it was, wow. it was pretty much life-changing because wow. what I saw there uh, was a many, many versions of Chinese that I never experienced here. I, I met a young writer and then he introduced me to other writers and then I met artists. There was a whole big art movement starting at the mm-hmm. time called the Stars Art. And I saw films, I saw television shows with people that looked like us. I mean, they were, you know, right. like, what? Right. I've right. never seen wow. that before. I've yeah. never, ever, ever seen anything that was remotely creative. Like, mm. here were actors and directors. I was like... And it just blew me away. And then I, then, I, then I felt so stupid that I didn't think it was possible. But like it opened up this door of 
of possibilities for me. It's like, oh, we can do that because I think I had that inclination, but it right. never occurred to me that I could work in the movie business. So all I could, and and just the way it transformed my own perception of who we are. You know, like mm-hmm. I th- I thought we were. I was always fighting the nerd uh, stereotype. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I never saw anything but that, mm-hmm. and. And then when I saw these movies, they were some of them really beautiful. I was like, "Oh, this will be go very far in fighting that stereotype for other people too." Because mm-hmm. if I felt it, God knows, you know, who else right. would have felt the same yeah. thing? So that became my first mission. I was like, "I'm going to bring these films out because that will change the way people perceive us." And wow. I came back to yeah, it was just like I, I just that's all I could think about. I was like, I have to. Do something, you know. I have to do right. something. Like people should see these movies. It's, it's like amazing. Mm. So I came back. I ended up, go, you know, I had to do something to fulfill my parents' uh, dreams. And I also didn't know, like, th- this year and a half in Beijing would mean nothing job-wise. And I felt like I better do something to concretize right. it. So I went to business school. But while I was in business school, I started organizing these Chinese film festivals. I would walk to. Okay. The consulate, the Chinese consulate on 12th Avenue. I was in New York, and it was uh, on 12th Avenue and 42nd Street. If you know New York, you know those uh, avenues are pretty wide, pretty mm-hmm. far right, apart. Right. And I was, and at the time, everything was in 35 millimeter prints. So these giant canisters, like, be carrying these canisters and getting on the subway and taking them to some place or another. And um, but it really was so exciting for me. And then. I found out about this company in San Francisco that had a theater. I mm. promise to answer your question very soon, but it's really oh, no, important please. to see how all these. No, are. no, so, no, is, no. Uh, we're, we're along for the ride. So there's a there's a. I, I found out there were there were a handful of other people that wanted that also were borrowing. That's what we do. We mm. borrow these films. Mm. They were borrowing right. Chinese films, and one of them was someone from a company in San Francisco, and they had a theater. And the theater was at 644 Broadway, and it was being refurbished, and it was owned by some Chinese-Americans. Mm. And there were a, a few chi- theaters in Chinatowns that showed mostly Hong Kong films, but they wanted to expand this to show mainland films. And I got to mm. know them. And so when I graduated from college, uh, that was my first real job. And that was the oh, only wow. job I could think of doing mm-hmm. and that I wanted to do and that I was semi-qualified for because I now have this little piece of paper that said MBA on it. Right. And so they could trust me. Otherwise, I might not have gotten that job, right? Some flaky <laughs> person who just... So it looked like I was legit, which mm-hmm. I, I still can barely balance my checkbook. But anyway, um, then so I went to San Francisco and we formed this company called World Entertainment and I mm-hmm. started flying back and forth to China to pick Chinese films to show at the theater. We created like this loose chain of movie theaters around North America. And I was happy as a pig in mud. This is... (laughs) No, but I... I, I, I love that job because we brought Chinese delegations over and Chinese filmmakers, and I mm-hmm. got to go to China to pick films that I thought would play well. That right. theater, by the way, has become China. For those who are tuning in from San Francisco, it's now China Live, 644 wow. Broadway. I remember very well. Broadway oh, wow. stuff. Because that was my first real job, and I was doing that in, in San Francisco, and we had a big theater opening for the refurbished theater, and there was an article about me in the San Francisco Chronicle. And San Francisco is a very small town in many ways. It, mm-hmm. At least it used to be more so. So it was not hard to get a lot of publicity. I mean, I met you know all the 
people I needed, I, I wanted to know in San Francisco very quickly. And there was a great Asian American community and they mm-hmm. gave us in the, the Asian American community. There is so much more evolved just because they've been there longer, more so than anything I experienced on the East coast. So they they really had a voice. And so there was a lot of interest in, you know, this new venture of showing Chinese cinema. We got good press. But there was an article about me, which I still have, and the opening lines are, I love China, I love film, and I want to bring these things together. <laughs> so, um, so there was this executive at uh, Universal Studios, at the time it was owned by MCA, and he lived in San Francisco, but was starting to commute to Los Angeles, and he saw this article, okay. and he just called me one day and said, you know, I'd like to meet you. I'm like, okay. And I didn't even know what MCA was at the time. I thought uh-huh. it was the phone company MCI. Yeah. Right. And he said, we own Universal Studios. I'm like, okay. And he <laughs> came to visit me, my little office. It was a basement office on Bush Street that I shared with Wayne Wang. Mm-hmm. And um, he, and we, we joke about that because it was, you know, we had like, our, our uh, desks were cinder blocks with like a, an old door on top of it. Anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> And he said, well, I have, I am running a new division at Universal Studios, at MCA mm. Universal, and I really believe the China market's going to open up and mm-hmm, would you consider mm-hmm. moving to LA and helping me do wow. that? So he really had a lot of foresight. This is 19, mid, mid eighties, you know, early eighties wow. and very few people, like most people were scared of China and had, yeah. didn't want to have anything to right. do with it. So, but I was like, oh my God, that's like, I felt like, wow, working at a studio. So, so I came down to LA and, uh, you know, all these things I had, I couldn't even imagine, like it was just out of the blue, right? How, who, I, just a couple of years ago, I didn't even think mm-hmm. I could work at movies at all. So suddenly I'm working at Universal and I'm still flying back and forth to China. Now I'm bringing American film. I'm going through the whole Universal, Paramount, MGM, UA libraries because there was they had a consortium mm. for foreign sales, and um, wow. we we're picking and discussing films that would be appropriate for the China market. And there were very mm. few that like we knew the newer films would be really hard sensibility wise. Like you wouldn't right. want to bring Back to the Future or Star Wars or whatever over because right, the right. Chinese had not seen any American studio films since 1949. Like mm. nothing wow. through the 50s and 60s and 70s. So we had to be very gentle and also uh. find, find films that would be appropriate, you know, politically, right. culturally, mm-hmm. in, in every way. So um, the first four films that we brought over, one was the, the newest film was, I think from 1980, was Love Story, because we thought that was like a heartwarming story that anybody nice. could relate to, right? right? Yeah. right. We brought over um, a film called Spartacus, because that politically, I don't know if you right. know, it's about oh. an uprising. Right. Yeah, yeah. We brought in... My parents oh, love R- that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great movie. Um, R.I.P. Sidney Poitier, we brought over a film called In the Heat of the Night, Right. Which also mm. would wow. worked for them because, and they all had to be approved. But and the one that was like the most popular was Roman Holiday, and mm. I got to take Gregory mm. Peck over for wow. a retrospective of his works. And wow! So I was yeah. So that kind of cemented that a lot amazing. of things. Like yeah, and and you know these events that we had and the screenings that we had were not. Um, we we we'd have special screenings or 
you know, the equivalent of premieres. And so like, yeah, in China, so that the, the, you know, the, the best and brightest of the film industry would come. A lot of people remember that period because it was like so... Uh, I'm sure it was just so, so their mind exciting. was blown. It's like, yeah. yeah, to see, yeah. Do you so, think, wow. do you think that yeah. Brian's parents saw Spartacus through, somehow through you introducing it to China and it went to Korea? <laughs> well, to Korea? I don't know. What I do don't you know. Think, how, how did movies get into Korea back in the old days, right? I mean, I, I'm, I have no I'm, idea. I'm sure, I'm sure you had <laughs> some influence on that. This is all remarkable to Blowing me. my mind. It's as possible and it was so like these old men would come up to me like oh my god the last american film i saw was with greta garbo and you know it was like and i guess the both like the bringing chinese films here and bringing american films over there really cemented in my mind like how powerful the moving picture is and how Mm. it really changes perceptions and and i guess ever since that time i've just been so utterly convinced Mm -hmm. that this is where it's worth putting one's energy, you know, like if you want to change the world, you can do it through content. Like, especially I I have a special fondness for me. I know TV is like big these days, but movies Mm -hmm. that like very whole complete experience Mm -hmm. of sitting in a dark theater and, you know, coming out with feeling changed. Like I really saw that happen and I've experienced it myself, so it's it's going to be hard for me to uh, let go of that. <laughs> it's, but it's pretty much propelled me all these decades, you know. Like that's really been been my life mission, I think, for all this time. And wow, uh, yeah. I am like so blown away because you've just had so much foresight, and right. I feel like you're an example of someone who, you know, you you studied Chinese in undergrad. And you didn't really know where that was going to lead to, but... No idea. No idea. Right. (laughs) Except, you know, you're someone who's able to connect the dots. And looking back now, it makes so much sense. Like, these were all stepping stones to get you to where you are today. And I guess my one question was, you know, you you were an early adopter, you were a visionary, and you had the foresight to recognize that these content as a a cultural commodity could be so Mm. impactful as a way to subvert stereotypes and it goes in both directions from america to china and Mm -hmm. vice versa Mm -hmm. when you know when you when you established that film festival in san francisco and brought over chinese films how was that received by american audiences oh it was the people that i met during that time were some of the people that went on to become the most influential people in film because jeff gilmore Uh, who later ran Sundance in Tribeca. He was running UCLA Film Archives, Mm. okay? Tom Luddy, who started the Telluride Film Festival, was running Pacific Film Archives at Berkeley. Um, Richard Richard Pena was running the Chicago Art Institute. So I found all these wonderful people who were just very curious about new films, art films, and, you know, I worked a lot through universities and museums, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not like they were going to make a million dollars, you know, dollars at right, the, right. your local theater. So, but there, there were always these not-for-profit organizations that, that really, you know, enjoyed showing these films. And that made it super, you know, so, and these people are people I grew, grew up with. Right. And right. In, in a sense, you know, they were... They again. They started out often in the not-for-profit world, and they all went on to do amazing things. So that was, you know, I met a lot of people at the time um, that 
that became like we Big, it was it was yeah. so gratifying yeah tom lardy worked for francis coppola who's right. really interested in mm. chinese films so there it's like and i everybody who is especially earlier on in their careers you don't know like form tribes like if yeah. tribes are so important yeah. you know your peers yep. you just don't know you don't know what's gonna but you you know do it because you have shared interests and you never know i i teach now and mm-hmm. um i worked with for instance the um the writers, Larry Karaszewski, Scott Alexander, mm-hmm. who, who's, who've written a ton of things, including People vs. Larry Flint. And they met the first day of college at USC. Oh, and wow. they said, let's try to write a screenplay. That's amazing. Jana, it sounds like you yeah. fell in with a group of people that are, um, well, obviously visionaries and smart, but they also just genuinely love the you know the industry and it sounds like you fit right in with them and and like look at all of you now that makes a lot of sense to me it's just it's like a a love a shared love love, a shared love of cinema and you know uh storytelling and you know so yeah so oddly you know sometimes hollywood gets a bad rap because people think it's driven by money or glamour or fame well, <laughs> I'm yeah. like okay I'm sure some if you're going are, yeah. in yeah no it, it, it may are, happen but there are people that are truly in love with the medium and I think if you don't love it you can't survive like mm. you know it, yeah. the money the fame the glamour may come it comes to uh, you know a fraction of the people mm-hmm. but right. if you're going in for that forget it yeah. like that is not the reason to go in because it's far from guaranteed yeah right. <laughs> it sounds to me what I think is so fascinating about that story um is i don't know when i read it i thought it was like somebody gave you a job and then you had to like do something that somebody told you to do but now listening to it i'm like you just sort of did it because you were like somebody needs to do this so i'm gonna do it and i i feel like kind of yeah and that's kind of i I didn't know what i was extraordinary i I just (laughs) yeah no i'm just like oh so you just went and you're just like i'm gonna just do it i'm like how do you yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, just naivete. I mean, wow. I I guess I've been kind of stubborn most of my life and, mm. and like, or or just, you know, I get fixated on something mm. and I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to, so it's, it's a weird thing. I didn't think I had that even in my personality. I was kind of like, I'm the mm. youngest of three children. And I was like, they saw me as being kind of the weird black sheep, lazy, <laughs> flaky. Oh my God. We're all, films. <laughs> we're all the, we're like, all the youngest, all three of us. Oh really? Yeah, Brian was so talking we, about it right before we talked to you. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So there's something about being the youngest, you know. We're annoying. Maybe there's less pressure. Yeah, yeah we're annoying. <laughs> but there's less pressure on us, yeah. you know. And we're a little spoiled, maybe. maybe. That's exactly but, what I know, said. I think we're a little spoiled. <laughs> we're a little spoiled. But then if we, you know, get out of that mindset, you know, maybe maybe it's better. Maybe because we're not so quick to follow. My sister became a lawyer. She was a journalist. Mm-hmm. She was a lawyer. My brother's an engineer. You know, they did all the right things. Oh, right. good. So well, good. I'm glad they did. And it. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so my parents didn't have to, like, suffer forever. Yeah. I want um, to, um, anyway. Uh, you know, I want to shift gears a little bit. And, I, you yes. know, Young Man, I had this question for you. And is, uh, as evidenced from the early stages of your career, you've, always been a champion for Asian voices mm-hmm. and uh, we we're wondering what's it like to see younger generations now having the same sort of thoughts and discussions that you had when you know you were trying to bring Chinese films to America like does it is it hopeful is it exhausting oh 
it's it's amazing. It's amazing because first of all, back in the day, you know, after that whole experience um, taking American films over, I think I, I'm just going to add this because it's how I got into producing. Mm-hmm. Then I was asked to help out on a movie that Steven Spielberg was directing called Empire of the Sun, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. could legitimately say that I could help him. Like I didn't know anything about filmmaking per se. Mm. I watched a lot of films, but I could be helpful because I just spent several years flying back and forth to China, getting to know the film industry, getting to know filmmakers and the film officials and this and that. So that was an incredible experience. But um, And then after that, I was an executive at Universal for a couple of years, and then I they started this company with Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say, and my first two, the first two films that I actually had my name on as a producer, first one was called South Central, mm. and the second one was called Zebrahead. They both had African-American themes. Mm. Mm. But what's weird is that there was no discussion. This is now the ni- early 90s. Right. There was no discussion of diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion, words that were using DEI, mm-hmm. you know. These, this, like, becomes such a common, all-pervasive theme mm-hmm. in our lives mm-hmm. and has affected every major organization, profit, not-for-profit, but back in the day, it was more just the raw experience mm. that I had when I first saw Chinese films. It was the raw experience I had being um, on the set of Empire of the Sun mm. and working with the fantastic Chinese production designer and the British crew mm-hmm. and and having Stephen give, you know, this one day it was like, uh, it was raining and we were shooting the scene over and over again with with like crowds. We had 5,000 extras on certain days. Oh, like, and wow. And back then you needed actually 5,000 people. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't yeah. paint it on a oh computer. Oh, my God. And, you know, and watching him. And I said, Stephen, they're really getting tired because they started, I heard a lot of grumbling. And I was like, they need a, they, they're starting to really complain a lot. And he's like, okay. And we gathered them in this church and he gave them a pep talk. And he said, you're all my heroes, you know, and I was translating for him. And I just, you know, that kind of human connection, like here's a top world-class director, mm-hmm. you know, talking to a bunch of extras who probably came from a factory or from wherever mm-hmm. they might have been from the police force. Like we had to, mo- we had basically shut down the city of Shanghai. And wow. just to see how, you know, again, storytelling, the how universal the language of film is, mm. making, you know, seeing how... At a certain level, we are the same. Yeah. And like, and he was able to connect with those people, and so these experiences that I had were not intellectual or political. Like again, mm. it was just like, oh my god, this right. is this country that was isolated for so long. We can, we can, you know, make it a hospitable place for a, an American director to work. And hire 5,000 extras and bring in top talent from, you know, America, England, and China and have people work together. And, you know, it was like, it it was not, it it just was what was done and Mm. without too much, like, labeling of what it all meant. Mm. Over time, I would say that it's really been in the last five or ten years where the consciousness was like, oh, we need to do more of this. Right. Mm. But my original experience was not like I'm advancing a social cause. Right. I was just so happy to have that experience. And I I, I didn't know it was going to become a thing, you know? Mm. I, yeah. I think I felt it more later when we were making Joy Luck Club. 
but it was mm. just like, oh my God, these people. And that, that feeling has never gone away. Like mm. in the periods where China and some, it, hap- it could happen in Europe or in Latin America or anywhere, this like feeling, because I have worked internationally too, it's like that feeling of people from different cultures being able to just meet on common ground yeah. is so thrilling. So it's, you know? it's, I feel like your story is, it kind of reminds me of like, I think most people, even in this day and age, when you're younger and, you know, before you even know the language of like diversity and like, and like a representation, um, before you know all that language and you're, and you can intellectualize it, you have these emotions just living your life. Um, and, and I think a lot of Asian Americans would feel like they don't, it doesn't even occur to them most of the time that they're Asian Americans. They're just living their life and they'll have these little moments of like, Oh my, god these uh people in china and this american film director are all the same and you you have these like very like big epiphanies throughout your life and um i feel like you know like just going back to what brian was touching on it's i was just assuming that you would say sometimes maybe it's like it is a little weird to see people in even Gen Z saying things like that. Like they're having to reintroduce these ideas like, hey, Asian people are people too. And it's just like, wow, like still, we're still on this yeah. topic. Yeah, no, we're still battling because yeah. we've come, we've come a long way, yeah. but then we're constantly reminded that we still have so far to go. So mm. I, you yeah. know, there are times where I feel like, oh my God, are we talking too much about race mm. and talking about cultural differences? <laughs> But then, yeah. like, something will happen, yeah. and, like, you know, somebody will get pushed to his death, like a, right. you know, right. Chinese guy walking down the street, and you're like, oh, oh my, my God. God, and you realize, yeah. and every now and then, I mean, we've all felt it, like, that look that you sometimes get, or oh, yeah. that right. comment, or the thing, right? the look. So we're still getting it. So mm-hmm. we can't, like, you know, give up and say, oh, it's all better now. No, it's like the boo-boo is still there, right. you know? I and, love and, that. And yeah, I was gonna say I love how you keep dropping these very big names very casually. You're like, you know, like Oliver Stone, <laughs> a Joy Luck Club. Just say it's, it's so fast. You're just like telling your story, and I'm just like, oh my god, you know, Steven Spielberg. You know, Steven, Steven, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I guess for me, that's it your, is that's kind your of tribe, like all, young me. Your tribe. Well, it's not. It, I can't say he's part of my tribe, but it's just the it's just the fact. You right, know, right. it's just like right. that's what I got to do. And you put to words like such a complex emotion that you know even yeah. I grapple with to this day. Where you know, I obviously I do a podcast that has the word Asian in the title of it, yeah. and I I think about uh, you know from time to time I'm like, am I talking about? these mm. things like these labels too much like right. am i compartmentalizing it too much and as you said yeah. mm-hmm. you know you'll have these boo-boo moments or these moments that remind <laughs> you that no like it this is important work that we're doing and you know it's, it's yeah. a pendulum that goes back and forth mm. yeah no we we all wish things were better mm-hmm. um where i think we all feel some pride that we've come at least i mean i certainly do i'm like wow we have come a long freaking way yeah. right in some you know in some respects you know, finally they have Asians in Vanity Fair magazine. I'm like, oh my God, like, you know. <laughs> Thank God. So we, I was pretty stunned when they, they told us that, you know, Gold House would be featured there because everything in that magazine is about royal, you know, European royalty or mm. whatever, super wealthy, you know, New York. I don't know. It just, 
But, you know, it's like when we see a lot of barriers being broken. Shang-Chi was a barrier. Crazy Witch Asians was a barrier. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. Doyla Club was a barrier then, but mm-hmm. like then Club, everything yeah. becomes, yeah. So, so it's great to see. Like there's no excuse. Nobody growing up now should have the experience that I had where I never saw anything. I think I was just mentioning the other day because this was yeah. weirdly a pivotal moment when I was walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I had either, it was right before I went to China, right, right when I got back, anyways, early 80s, and I was walking down the street with an Asian American male friend and we we're passing Barney's and they had a mannequin <laughs> that was Asian, a male what? Asian. And we literally were like <laughs> screaming our heads off. We're like, can you believe that? That's, that was representation back then. They're like, we made it. We was like, we, we made it. We were mannequin. <laughs> oh my God. Sex symbol. <laughs> you know, like this piece That's of plastic. That's all we got back in the old days. Oh man. I mean, oh I, God, I think we crazy. have made a lot of progress though. Cause even the other, you know, I've talked about this on this podcast, but uh, now I, I I'm gonna say it out in here. I think we need fewer Asian men in Hollywood with eight Uh-oh. packs. Okay, with eight I think enough. Yeah, I think we need a, we're just jealous. We have, we're oh, saying enough. Jealousy. <laughs> we need more, more. No, there's so many cool. Okay, when I first moved to San Francisco, I I went to a club that was primarily frequented by Asian Americans, and there was like an Asian American band playing Hiroshima, Japanese. American band, I mm-hmm. think it was Oh my God, Hiroshima. I know that band. And, my parents had the and, tape when I was a kid. So, and I, I was in this club and I looked around, I'm like, oh my God, there's like all these cool young Asian Americans. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. Right. So that was the beginning of my awakening of cool Asian Americans. And then I did have this boyfriend that went to Berkeley and he talked about all the cool things that went on. But I was like, oh my. So East Coast, West Coast is different, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and there, there was it's definitely much more evolved group of Asian Americans. Like they were in politics, and they were, you know, they really had a voice. I feel like yeah. in 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 the Bay Area, mm. and I think that this tribe in LA is like huge now. Like huge. we are, we're and people are really noticing from all over the world. I have friends that moved back from Hong Kong or China, like. Cause just to be part of the mix. When Gold House, when we were doing more salons before the pandemic, people would fly in from Asia oh. or Canada or right. whatever, you know? Wow. Like, it was so exciting to have these gatherings, and there was, like, so many of them. Right. And I was like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> cool Asians. Who knew? This is our, we didn't have, me, this we is didn't our, have, this is our new goal for the podcast is we need to get in on these this this gold these gold house Why? hangouts because yes. Bowen was on our Why? podcast and Bowen was oh, like Bowen, I know Bowen was that. like he did the say true that. Illuminati is gold house he, these secret karaoke parties in L A <laughs> I've been waiting for my invite so I've been waiting for my invite all right mailbox I'm empty I'm personally go- I am personally going to make sure well first of all have you noticed we've uh, we've been pretty shut down right. right we haven't it's not like we've right. been having parties galore. But um, as soon as things, I'll make sure that you are on the set list. Finally, wow. Ryan. Finally, finally, we're in. We can quit the <laughs> podcast. I know this is the whole. Okay, I know this is the whole reason you wanted me on. You're like, we want to be on that list. We want to be. Yeah, we want to go to the okay. karaoke. Mission parties. accomplished. Mission accomplished. Mission okay, accomplished. Now, oh, wow. no, now that we, fi- we should be invited. I'm sh- now that we got I'm what we want. You're not. <laughs> 
Uh. Yes. Okay, we can end this whole thing. Yeah. No. But it's also been a little weird because we didn't have like, you know, it's been like friends and friends and friends. And we didn't have, but of course you should be on. Of course. I, I'm shocked that you're not already. I can't, like, I'm, I'm not doing every invitation. Um, yeah, but, I think uh, we should jump yeah. into our yes. uh, our next set of questions for Janet here. I'm so excited. The first ever guest to go through the new format, um, Janet. And so we want to start oh. off by asking you, what's something that you're loving right now? Okay. I'm loving a lot of things. I'm loving, um, you know what I'm loving? I'm loving reading a lot of books by Asian, especially Asian American female authors. Mm. Okay. Yes. I'll just say that I'm loving that. Like when I read the Joilet Club, that was a game changer for me because I'd never read mm. anything that felt so close to my mm. life. Now I get to explore so many parts of not just my life, but you know, lives of many people, but things that are that are familiar. So I'm loving that. I'm loving. Okay, I'm loving. I one you know, as a good Chinese girl, I play, I studied piano and then I quit, but then I took it and then I quit uh-huh. and then I took it. I'm loving playing piano so much. Wow! Wow! And I love (laughs) listening to music. And like lately, what I've been doing, I've been playing just like even if it's classical or jazz or whatever, I'll put it on in the morning. And I'll okay. This is uh, nobody knows this yet, but I've been like dancing, choreographing. Wow! Wow! I've I've taken. I've taken a million yoga classes and Pilates classes and Tai Chi classes and Mar- and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, but so I'm always like, well, today I should do this or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But like now I'm sort of combining different movements and mm-hmm. I started taking a dance class at this club and I'm like doing my own. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, that's something that no one knows. But, wow. um, yeah, so I'm loving that. It's like a great way to start the day. I start the day with usually meditation and then I do like some whatever. And um, I'm also writing a lot. I'm working on a book. Maybe that's something I could ask wow. your listeners because like what would, what would be interesting to, to read about? I feel Just like everything that you've ever said, life. basically <laughs> any, anything that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> just a memoir. Yeah, just any, any something, story you something have. like that. Yeah, there's there's a ton of stories. Oh my god, there's a ton of stories and so many interesting personalities. So I feel like I need life to stop for yeah. a year, right? And then I can take time. So I've been doing it like in drips and drabs. So that's mm. a, that's a secret too. Not most people don't know that. So those are some of the things I'm loving. It sounds like very oh. self care. The trifecta, yeah. the self care right. trifecta, yeah. the the dance, uh, yeah. the movement, the physical activity, the mental activity, and the relaxation. And then give your give yourself a good cry. Read a little life by Hanya Yanagihara. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's the new one. That's the new one. Wow, she is. In, I've been reading all the reviews of her book, oh, right. and I haven't yet read. Have you read the book? I haven't, I haven't read, read the read new book yet. yet. But a She's little life was but, you know. Torture town. <laughs> Torture town. Oh, so she, oh, I, I, I don't know if I could get through that. I read about all the, yeah, the very tough scenes. But, you know, from Kathy Park Hong to mm. Lisa Ko to mm. Chan Julie Wong to, there's so many. And then Gish Jen has a new book coming. Anyway, there's like, I'm really enjoying that. I feel like I may even have to start a book club or something. Oh, that'd be great. About, I'm really, I'm really interested in, in particularly helping Asian women. Mm-hmm. I think we're very special. <laughs> I mean, I think we're, 
like special and a different, we were all snowflakes. No, we, we you know, there's this, a specific experience, mm-hmm. I think, for Asian women that's mm-hmm. different. I was, um, before the pandemic, I used to organize mahjong evenings. Oh, wow. Wow. And potluck, they became potluck mahjong. And um, that grew into something I started Asian Society called Asian Women Empowered Awe. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, so I, you know, and we're going to do programs and mentorships and things like that because I do feel like we're, we get hired, we're somewhat visible, but we're never the top dog, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yes, I. We're never the third. We're never the one running the show. But I kind of feel like we're, we're always we're, doing we're, all you're, the work. You're running your show. You know what I mean? Yes. Like when you see a big we, we corporation, hard. yeah, there's always some really smart Asian women doing a lot of work, but not getting the credit. Yeah. So stuff like that. That is, you know. So those are things I'm loving. Young me. What? I think our new aspirational goal is just to have a modicum of Janet's like mover and shaker. <laughs> Sort of ability because yeah, well, you just had a mahjong club and then it transformed into an Asian yeah, women in power. Yeah, well, it summit. gave me the idea. It gave me the it gave me the idea. Right. Like we would have so much fun. We'd be laughing sometimes, crying. Yeah. People yeah, sharing yeah. their stories. Some yep. of these stories were similar. Like right. I am, I do have a high level position at a studio or a law firm or whatever, but I'm not really getting the credit. Yeah. Yes. And uh, you know, I've blah, heard blah 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 so blah. So many stories like that. And we're like so many stories. Mm-hmm. So I felt like something needed to happen about that. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, I Amazing. guess on that so. note, I guess on that note, the next question is, what is something that you're hating right now? Oh my God, I got so annoyed today. I had to go somewhere and the parking spaces were so small and they were so narrow. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to get in and out without scratching my car or someone else's car? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, ah, it was super annoying. Like, why do they have this? Oh, that's so cute. Sorry. Um, Horn got so annoyed for you. She got so mad. I know. Your dog is really annoyed. No. You know what I'm kind of hating? I'm hating the divisiveness. Mm. I'm hating the... I'm, I, I feel uh, like things don't make sense anymore. Like I don't mm. understand what's going on. And I don't like that feeling. <laughs> like mm. I really don't understand why wearing masks has become a political issue. I, I, I don't understand it. I just so don't know. There's no way I can understand that. Or, um, you know, it's just like, what I hate is greed. Like, I hate the fact that 20 people uh, are, you know, are have $100 billion or whatever and Mm. uh, other, and like there's more and more homeless on the street Mm. that, you know, can't get by. Mm -hmm. I hate that so much and I don't understand. I I hate how these uh, corporations are not uh, being accountable, like, you know, one in particular, which is spreading all this disinformation and allowed a person whose name I will not say get into office mm. and, um, you know, and spreading more lies. It's just, go, it's just rampant, mm. you know, and I pretty much hate that. Mm. And I hate that we haven't done anything about our planet and that we don't seem to be motivated enough to do, do the right things. You know, I try in my own little way. The recycling, I do composting, blah, 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 blah. Right. I, I, in addition to, one other thing that I love is that I love being, I, I got a place in Ojai last oh, year. Oh, wow. And I love being there because wow. I feel more human and whole. So I love that. But I, I hate how, so I feel like it's a little bubble because most people there are of a similar consciousness. Right. 
But I hate, I hate so, I hate greed. Right. I hate arrogance. I hate ignorance. And you're like, just in Ohio. You things. open up your phone and you see a news yeah. story about Lufthansa <laughs> running thirty thousand <laughs> empty jets just to stay afloat. And you're like, why? what? I didn't How? read that. Oh God, <laughs> Ryan, I'm enraged. <laughs> I didn't read that. Why do oh they have to do things like God? So it, oh my God, I, so many things or, just don't. You know, don't food make any getting sense. thrown out the waste. Right. Yes, yeah. you know, one of the things about being Asian is that, okay. I save every. I save plastic bags. I save, you know, the frugality that most Asians grew up mm-hmm. with turns out to be, it's, it's, as opposed to being like a really weird, quirky, like what's wrong with these people <laughs> yeah. thing. It's like turned out to be a good, like now everybody kind of gets why we do yeah. this. Right. When I was like, you know, you know when I was like, ki- oh, sorry. No. Oh, I, I was going to say, when I was a kid, I, my mom would, like, if somebody bought a bottle of any, like soda, we would rinse it out and just use that bottle for water for like, Ye- probably yeah. a year you know yeah. and then i, re- I remember yeah. i went to Why like not? i went to my american friend's house and i think no this was like when i first moved out and i lived with like an american roommate and she bought a 35 dollar water bottle which i get it it was <laughs> it keeps your water cold or something but i was like you can just use what a sprite use bottle <laughs> and i kept being like just why don't you just use the sprite bottle <laughs> but I feel like I save the little uh, soy sauce packets. Yeah, I do if that they're too. They're not used, you know. There's a lot of them, and then you don't have to buy. <laughs> anyway, I do that too. So they're good for lunch like, boxes. You know, I put in my son's lunch box. Oh, that's right? so. Oh, you have a child yeah, too. Yeah, I do. Oh, uh huh. How old's your How old's your son? He's seven. Oh. Yeah, so I put them in his lunches. Congratulations. Thank you. Meanwhile, yeah, no, they co- they really come in handy. Meanwhile, meanwhile I'm just Brian's very quiet happy. over here with my thirty-five dollar water bottle. Oh. <laughs> Okay, well, as long as you're, okay. It's reusable. She just shamed you. Young me just shamed you. She knew you had that water bottle, and she purposely gave that example to shame you. Well, young me, a Sprite bottle is in double vacuum sealed. But you're using it again. Well, it's better than buying, like, a plastic bottle and throwing it and buying another plastic bottle. So you're using it again and again. Yes, yes, exactly. There you go. Yeah, see? Thank you, Janet. So, (laughs) no problem. But the shade is I'll be your mediator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but you know speaking of shade I think this leads us to our yeah. next question of our podcast yeah. uh, listeners this is a question that is going to be put in behind our Patreon so if you want to hear Janet's answer to this question you're going to have to head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian you got to pay money for the good stuff Janet oh my God. what is something better be good wait no Janet what are you ashamed of okay but Janet, uh, okay. thank you for you know sharing your story and being so forthright and open with us on the podcast thus far. But not at all. Uh, not at before all. we let you go, we like to leave all of our guests with this one last question, and that is, oh. what is something that you're proud of? You know, I you know what I'm proud of. My mother on all these trips that I took to China. One thing that I was able to do in addition to work was I helped a lot of my relatives get out. Mm. And my very, very elderly mother now is being cared for by my cousin and her Mm. husband. And this cousin was orphaned at a very young age. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, she became someone that we would want to help. And having a family member take care of my mother, someone that we really trust, um, 
has been such a blessing. Mm. You know, my mother's now living in there in her house, and that would like we we've helped so many relatives get out. It was it was in part because I could go back and forth and actually talk them through the process, right. and you know that makes me really proud. And and you know my mother has lived a ridiculously long time. I think in part because she has the kind of care that you'd want your mother to have and someone to cook Chinese food for her and speak Chinese to her and et cetera, et cetera. So that makes me proud. That's so touching that after living such an extraordinary life, um, you are referring to something that, um, you know, so personal and about your family and you are mostly proud of how you have helped them. And I think that that's extremely touching and, you know, I know that that's, um, that is, you know, a generalization that about Asians, but I feel like it's one that yeah. nobody really feels negatively about. I think that is a very, um, lovely, you know, generalization and it yeah. makes yeah. me very proud, you know, oh, as an Asian as well. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's a remarkable thing that you've been able to do in, being able to aid and assist your family in this way through your passion and through your work. And it's, uh, mm. it's incredibly aspirational. So I love that you shared that. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck with your podcast. I'll be <laughs> tuning in some more. Um, Thanks, Janet. <laughs> but um, before we let you go, where can our listeners find you and your work or if there's any projects that you oh, want to plug okay. or you're excited about? Oh, you know what? Um, they can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I, I don't tweet at all. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad at social media in general, but I do post things on Facebook and say Janet Yang one, I think is my Instagram handle <laughs> or something like that. I think that's it. Um, and yeah, I should not be difficult to find on Facebook, although I often max out on my friends, but then I have a, I have a personal and a public account. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a website, JanetYang.com. Lovely. So, you know, I try to keep that updated <laughs> um, as well. What about you, Young Me? Oh, social media is at YM Mayor, and my TikTok is Young Me Mayor. Um, how about you, Brian? Uh, you guys can follow me on socials at It's Brian Park, and uh, check out our podcast on socials at Feeling Asian Podcast, Instagram, TikTok, you name YouTube. it. Uh, YouTube. Um, yeah. Yeah. But right on. Anyways, listeners, before we let you go, we wanted to do our Patreon shoutouts for this week. Our beautiful Patreon subscribers who donated to our Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com slash feelingasian. If you really like our podcast, you can give us a little money every month, starting at $3 a month, <laughs> and you get cool stuff. Um, the more you give, if you donate $10, you get to come to our Zoom happy hours, which are really fun, yeah. um, once a month. And, and if you, But most importantly, if you want to learn... As you witnessed here with Janet Yang, if you want to learn a little bit more about our guests on a deeper level, we promise it's worth it. You'll get to learn what they're, the real juice, what they're ashamed of. The juicier stuff, yeah. That's on our Patreon as well. And an extra episode every week, basically. Yeah. Well, Young May, you ready to give our shout outs this week? Yes, I'm ready. First shout out goes out to James Guan. James Guan is wearing a fucking suit right now. It's fucking 8 a.m. and he's wearing a suit somewhere. I swear to God. And he looks damn good doing it. What was that movie? Um, Well, I know that, like, obviously, uh, Janet is 
the joy luck club remember that scene where they're like the old days they go back to like china and it's like the business guy with the slick hair that's mm-hmm. like james i feel like oh 100 percent. right james Hot. thank you <laughs> our next shout out goes out to nicola forbes i'm getting cool teacher yeah yeah like the like the magic school bus teacher but hot <laughs> Miss you Fri- know that there's Miss like frizzle. some hot miss frizzle cosplay out there right some you oh. know there's a porn with <laughs> miss frizzle damn that's i'm into that oh i just 100 percent unlocked something <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up after this miss frizzle cosplay porn nicola your yeah. existence is inspires people to go seek out magic school bus porn so weird porn <laughs> feel proud i hope you feel proud of yourself for that that's such a cool name do you think it's nicola or nicola nicola is like is, is that I, i'm nicola? probably mispronouncing like, sorry it. i think it's nicola nicola is a uh, nicola okay. tesla i think that's with a k yeah but that's also it could be like a male i always feel bad because we never ask for pronouns here and mm. like so i i'm i don't know sorry sorry <laughs> either way hot Nicola or Nicola, come on. Next shout Sexy. out goes out to Yoei Shaw. Legend. Oh, Yoei, our legend, a former guest of the podcast. Extremely beautiful. Not that that's important. That's so sexist. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, young me, you say that. I was going to say that she is a very talented podcast producer <laughs> and host of NPR Invisibilia. Go check that out. I see. <laughs> but I sound like an Asian mom. Mostly, she's very pretty. <laughs> sorry. I mean, you can't. But that's just... I know that's that's just that objectively was, that true. was the Extremely most attractive. that was the most Asian mom <laughs> moment of you. My mom does this all the time, where you can, it could be something like sports, like an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> they are obje- objectively the best at this singular sport in the world. And my mom would be like, she has weird lips. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but is she married? Does she is she married? <laughs> my aunt said that once. My my cousin got into like the best school, like this really like fucking crazy science program in Korea. Yeah, but she came in. And she was like, "Well, when's she gonna get married, though?" Oh my god, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Yoe. Thank you, Yoe. Our next shout out goes out to Jechun Heckman. Hmm, Jechun Heckman. Jechun Heckman. I always. I always wonder when people have names like this, like, how do you get that? Oh, this is kind of like my name, Young Me Mare. Maybe yeah. this person's like biracial. Biracial. They, you know, or married to somebody. Biracial, or, but yeah. Asian father is what I'm going to guess. Ooh. Yeah. But then why is, but I was just thinking because the last name's Heckman. Oh. But I don't know. Maybe they took the to mom's last name. People Extremely do that. Extremely you know? progressive Asian father. Down with the patriarchy. <laughs> But then it's like, wait, you took the white person's last name? Wait, wait, now it's problematic again. (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) Jetchun Heckman. Mystery. Mystery. I'm going to guess that Jetchun Heckman is a CIA agent. Yes. Yeah. We've never had one of those CIA agents. They're out there. They're out there listening to Feeling Asian podcast while saving the world. Do you think that they're doing CIA? I feel like CIA gets a bad rap now because like they're just like implanting weird capitalistic messages into pop songs and stuff. <laughs> like they're just keeping tabs on feeling Asian. I just the uh, the only image that's in my mind is James Bond, and I assume that's what all CIA agents do. <laughs> 
It's another person wearing a very sexy suit. Sexy suit. Slicked back hair. I'm, I'm really into that right now. Okay. Uh, and uh, last Next. shout out for this episode goes out to Carolyn. Carol- Carolyn sounds just so loving and sweet. I'm getting this vibe. I'm getting Carolyn. Uh, just like a sweet. Extremely popular on TikTok. Oh, right. Living the dream for being sweet. Like maybe like a, you know, those, I love those TikToks are so like comforting. Like somebody that's just really good at knitting and this is like, oh, that's a beautiful knit right there. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, wow. This is what I've gone into is uh, this YouTube page where it's a guy who reassembles watches and he has over a million subscribers and it's so soothing so soothing yeah <laughs> we have to talk about we should yeah anyway that was our that was, was that it that's it those are our shout outs for this those week. are our shout outs thank you so much for um subscribing to our patreon and giving us money in any case uh everyone thank you for listening and uh we hope to see you again next week bye everyone bye, bye.